Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Strong Cast with your host, Armstrong Weems. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm, I must tell you, I am so thrilled to have the president of Urban Q, Star Parker, you've seen her on TV, on Fox, on radio, but she's also a prolific writer. I, I, I find the opportunity every week to read her columns. They're provocative, they're insightful, and I always learn something. Star Parker, welcome to Strongcast. Well, thank you. You know, I have been so wanting to have this conversation, and, and I felt it was only a conversation that could be had with you, because I remember uh, a few months ago, you were on our television show, and you were absolutely brilliant in your insights and your common sense and your passion. And the things that you said just resonate so much with our listeners. And they said, why can't we have, see more of her and more of her? And I try to explain just how busy and demanding your schedule in your life is. But first, before I get into the heart of what we're going to discuss, explain to our um, listeners what Urban Q is. Urban Cure is a combination of three programs. What we do at the Center for Urban Renewal and Education is we fight poverty to restore dignity through the message of faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. So what does that mean? That means that we want to change laws to change lives. We are a policy institute based here in Washington, D.C. that believes that the last 50 years of social engineering of the welfare state have done a disservice to our poor communities, so we want to build another model. We want to get this stuff out of Washington and back to communities where it belongs. That, in a nutshell, is Urban Cure. We do it through three programs, our policy program, our media program, and our clergy program, where we're organizing pastors all across this country who serve in these hard-hit zip codes, the distressed um, communities, uh, to inform them on different ideas to revitalize their communities. What is it in your background that prepared you for this calling in life? Well, a lot in my background. One, uh, the school of hard knocks. I mean, I believed all the lies of the left and got caught up in government dependency myself. I thought that my problems were somebody else's fault, like you're hearing all this messaging that's going on today. I thought that the poor were poor because the wealthy were wealthy, so I didn't mind other people building out a, a, a redistribution system. And I also felt that um, America was racist. All I heard was just how the cards were stacked against me. And so in believing all of these different messagings, my life got very unraveled the same way that many do under where you get caught up in living for the day and that day was criminal activity and drug activity and sexual activity it didn't matter whatever came at you uh, and the choices that I was making landed me then on the welfare state uh, it, it landed me in government dependency I was seven years in and out of the system three and a half years consistently and my life just unraveled and went into a little dark hole after a Christian conversion I totally changed my life when I heard the message of the gospel that I could actually make decisions How on my own. How old were you at the time when you heard the message of the gospel? I probably was about 25, getting into 25. And so, Much later in life. Well, that's kind of early in life. No, I'm not, not, not the teens, but no, I yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was, oh, I was aggressive. And, I was, and, and actually, what was really interesting is that, you know, people want to be dismissive about the power of God in one's life. It, it, once I woke up, it was enough time to really change my life because you're right. It was it was not like it was in my teenage years. Yeah. I had really gone down this path and almost to the uh, path of no return. Most of my friends during that time are either in jail or dead uh, because of those activities. The only reason I didn't get cracked out was because I'd gotten pregnant yet again because I was using abortion as my birth control, like so many are doing now. And um, but then the Lord just 
changed me. I had an opportunity in hearing the gospel and then reading the Bible to take control over my decisions and, and not always listen to whatever somebody else thought I should be doing. And in doing that, I was able to get back into school, went to college, got a degree in marketing and international business. Let me stop you. What is it? You know, we hear about these life-changing transformations and you were moved by something that you really did not know exists and was possible. What was it? Was it a scripture you read? And once you read that scripture, what were the words that totally resonated and realized those words were speaking to you? What did you do immediately once you read those words? Because sometimes when you make this transformation, the devil really becomes consumed by making sure you don't make that turn. Right. So there's another fight that you have on your hand. Exactly right. when you make Once you make that decision, decision. so talk about what is it that you right. read yeah. and how much did you have to struggle to really find a routine and a consistency that conquered the demons of the past? That is a fascinating question. I think that I had reached a point to where everything was so broken, I was doing absolutely nothing right, that when I heard that God was in Christ, that he was reconciling the world to himself, that he wasn't counting my sins against me, whatever mistakes I had made were gone, um, that he loved me, that he died for me, that he would care about my future. I just accepted it. It was like, well, nothing else seems to be working and all the other lies that I'm hearing from somebody that actually loves me. And all, you know, you can go through all of these other decisions and excuses that we make for ourselves for why we won't recover our own lives. And then I, what was really helpful for me, and I'm thankful to the Lord on a regular basis for, is that I was, the people that told me about Christ were going to a church where they actually had Bibles and they opened the Bible. So the pastor would say, open your Bible too. So when I decided that I was not going to listen to myself or any of my friends anymore, but I'm only going to listen to God, is when every scripture came alive. But the, the, the core of your question is that I heard to adopt read a proverb a day. Someone said, read a proverb a day, it keeps the devil away. So now we're talking 30-something years ago, or however long it's been, that I just get up and I read the proverb every day. Whatever the date is, I'm reading that proverb. And there's something in there every single time, month after month, year after year, that will help me get through that particular day. There's 31 proverbs, some months have 31 days, and so I just read a proverb a day, and there's just a jewel in there. I, I have come to the conclusion that King Solomon was indeed the wisest man to ever live. So what happens to those that have also told your story, but they just don't have the strength and the duration to stay in that word, to believe that word, to live that word? And the thing that I think what you're trying to say, and I think this is important, is that God never expects you to be perfect. Mm -mm. All exactly he expects right. of you is to make progress. That's right. That's right. He's more That's interested right. in the progression right. instead of the perfection. Right. Well, the progression and the progress is made through setting goals in your life. What is it that you want to be? What is it you want to do? In fact, I still talk in housing projects to the women that are where I was. And, um, and I have them set goals for long term and then just work them out daily. But the first order of business is to find out, well, who am I? Because you can't break the cycle of poverty if you don't know how to self-govern, if you don't know how to take on your own existence and build a reality for yourself. God doesn't expect us all to be the same, because we're not. But he does expect us to whatever gift he's given us to utilize that gift and be the best we can in 
whatever that uh, space is. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to discover yourself. Who am I? What do I really like for myself? This is one of the challenges we're having in black communities now. It's because we're so, we bought this idea of collectivism as if we're all the same and we're not. And then we demand of others to act the same and, and then someone else, a politician more often than not, is the one that defines what that sameness is supposed to be. Well, in God, there's uniqueness. And so once you discover that you're unique and you say, well, let me, what is it I want to do? Yeah, I want to marry and have children. Then set that as a goal, and then you live your daily life as if you're already in that existence. I want to have a career. I want to, you know, like right now, I really, I would be so satisfied if we just do three things through cure. We want to end abortion. It feeds that narrative that we're just all victims. And, and, and as a result, people have lost themselves and marriage has collapsed. So our whole community is in ruins. We want to get all of these anti-poverty programs out of Washington, get them back to the church and communities where they belong, because people are unique. Their problems are unique. You can't have a one-size-fits-all government program on welfare and on poverty issues. And then number three, we want personal retirement accounts, uh, money to follow people to IRAs, not to the IRS when it comes to uh, their Social Security. So you set those goals, and then you just kind of work daily toward them. I want to come back to your mm -hmm. story, okay. because I'm hearing something. Because Obviously, we're not scripted here. I'm more led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. So I want to go deeper with you. Okay. What I'm hearing is that no matter what your life may have been before 25, and the fact that you were forgiven and you became a new you, you still had to give an account of your shortcomings mm -hmm. and the mistakes that you made in the past. That's exactly They're just right. not wiped away. Right. You still have to give an account. That's right. And, and you work through that. But the most important thing... And I'm here, still working through, through it. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, there are consequences to yeah, sin. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. But the most important thing that you're saying today, which I don't really hear enough of, is that you have to first, while God forgives you, you have to forgive yourself. That's right. You've got to get away from humiliation, That's right. the shame, That's right. that feel like you're worthless, That's right. there's no meaning to you. And once That's you right. begin to conquer that, right. then you could find the person that God created when That's he right. created you. But you can't even find that in one minute. No. This is a continuum, too. You know, I still work very uh, aggressively in pro-life. Um, you know, while we are waiting for that uh, answer from political, you know, that um, abortion is a crime against humanity, so we need to stop doing it, we also have crisis pregnancy centers, pregnancy care centers working with people all across this country that have made that choice, have made a mistake, and now they're regretful, and or to try to keep women from making the mistake of killing their offspring. And so oftentimes, you know, I'll make a presentation to uh, the banquets of these pregnancy care centers, and without one, there's somebody in there comes up and says, I just regret my abortion. The other day, so, she's 71 years old, and she's still thinks about that abortion. So you, you're right. You have to forgive yourself. And this is something that uh, people have a hard time with because life is uh, of tragedy. You know, where the circumstances happen. Accidents happen. Um, suffering is here on this side of eternity. And so people, anytime something happens, they reflect on their sin. They think it's their fault. And it's not. And that is important for, to just recognize that, no, when God says he forgave, he really did. And it is hard, though, to, to accept that. It's very hard to accept that. The same way it's hard to accept if somebody one-on-one -on -one apologizes to you and you know that they've done something really hard. It's um, hard now for you to say, and I actually forgive you for that, and to keep moving on. So it is a daily, and that's why you have to stay in the Scripture daily as well. Now, why, do, why do I bring this up? Because it, it resonates. Because, you know, oftentimes people ask me about 
you know, my attitude when I'm on the radio, when people attack me, when they bring up my sexual harassment, lawsuits of the past, and people find that I'm kind and I'm at peace with that. You know, my attitude is people can only know what the media describes in a human being. And the media only takes the sound bites of the things of where you fell short. But the good thing about God, he knows everything about mm -hmm, you. Mm -hmm. He knows your every waking moment, your every waking mm -hmm. thought. And what people forget is that we live in a world today where the good, mm -hmm. the righteousness, mm -hmm. is never served, mm -hmm. is never celebrated. Right. And so all you hear is what went wrong. And so my attitude, as long as God's forgiving me right. and blessing me mm -hmm. and celebrating me, mm -hmm. and I'm struggling every day to serve him, mm -hmm. I'm okay. That's, that's I don't exactly answer right. That's to right. human, That's right. I answer to my creator. And in, and within that, I find peace in myself. I find strength. Mm -hmm. And I find the courage more than ever before. Right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that, and, and especially now in the world of the Internet, one mistake has big cost. Uh, but yet the Lord looks at our life over our lifetime. Yes. He's not looking at one little moment in our life. He's looking at our life over time. So as long as we're still on this side of eternity, we have another opportunity to serve. In fact, I said that every single morning. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for another opportunity and privilege to serve you. And then I look for ways to do that. But, um, but you're bringing up a really important point because people don't look at their life that way. God looks at you over the life. He looks at family over generations. This is how his existence is. And we can't get there to say, well, even though those that keep bringing up your past don't forgive you, you have to forgive yourself. Get into your other point. I have relatives that they remember the win. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm more years away from the win. Than, I That's know. That's why I don't, even, yeah. it, I don't let it impact me yeah. at yeah. all in the decisions that I make. And in fact, I pull courage out of the, the past to say, then that's why I'm even going to go into the future stronger. I tell all my Catholic friends, I'm like, I'm just doing penance, okay? All this, don't give me any credit for doing something good. I'm just doing penance for the things I did wrong. But you're, but it takes a real um, uh, gut. You know, you got to have grit. You got to be able to say, you know what? It really doesn't matter. You have to not think about what people think about you or say about you in order to really recover your life and, and stay on mission. Because it's true. God blesses us not because of, but in spite of. Yeah, yeah. But some, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. Because don't forget, he also knows the decisions that we're going to make that are going to be boo-boos as well. And mm -hmm. then he takes them and uses them. I mean, look at me. People ask me all the time. It's like, you've got to agree. You're a syndicated columnist. You're writing books. You've, or you, you have a, a major policy institute in Washington, D.C. Why do you keep talking about your past? I'm like... Why wouldn't I? Number one, it helps somebody else, but it also helps me because the scripture tells us that if we confess our faults one to another, we get healed. So every time I tell my testimony, it's not only for someone else to say, it's okay that I made these mistakes. Gosh, if Star Parker can get out of it, I can get out of it. It's yeah. not that it's not it is even okay. Yeah. It's allowed. It's allowed, yeah. There's That's a, a good one. That's true. He forgives like us that. a thousand like times a day. That's right. I like it's that. It's allowed. It's allowed. He it gives is. us because he knows who and what we are. Yeah. But where am I going? You know, I, 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 have, plans, <laughs> I have plans to talk about something totally different. But here is the important thing of Star's message. And this is a strong cast. I'm Armstrong Williams. And you can tell, you can see why I was thrilled to have her on. Here's the thing, without those first 25 years, without the struggle, without the indecisions, without the babies, without all the things that you talked about, that is the strength 
that makes you who you are today. Right. If you've right. not struggled, right. you right. can't build. You cannot create. Right. You right. cannot become those leaders of courage in this set example. It's through that fire that right. you can tell a story. Right. Nobody can tell you the story. You've lived it for yourself. Right. So when you talk about this person thinking about abortion, or somebody in poverty, or somebody doing drugs, you can say, that was once my story. Right. So That's when right. you speak of that story, you speak of it with character and real life experience. And I find, even on all the things that I have done, I always say to the Lord, good, bad, and indifferent. Thank you. Because yeah. it's like a stone cutter. Right. Right. Chipping away that's rock perhaps a hundred times a day. Right. On the hundred and first um, crack, that crack, that rock will crack in two. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the hundred and first blow that caused it to crack. Right. It's all the blows that have gone into Hitting that exactly rock. Right. So that's what our lives are. Yeah. So while we may not have liked it, while we may look back and say, wow, I'm still thankful for the struggles because yeah. that's why we are who we are today. Yeah, it reminds, you're reminding me of a quote from a philosopher, Meyer, and he talks about iron and he says, and he talks about all the uses of iron and how the more it's in the fire, the more it's pressed, the more, you know, value it yields. Uh, but he ends that little body of information with he who suffers most is capable of yielding most. And I think that for us and for our people, what we have ignored is the reality that we're created in God's image. And there's something in the is capable. We're not doing the is capable. If you're suffered, yeah, your ancestors were in slavery. Yeah, Jim Crow was reality. You suffered. And yes, there was a holy cross. Yes, yes, there was an insurrection. That's right. You're yeah. capable of yielding most. Let's take that pain and make something productive of it. But that's the that the choices in the is capable. We can live in that reality and constantly complain. You know, people ask me, what happened in the black community? What, you know, and they want me to point to something specific that might be political. But actually, I think that what really happened is we forgot that we're made in the image of God. So we're not visionaries and, and warriors as God is. We become victims and whiners. We're not doing uh, what, we we, what our future should be exactly. And we surrender. And we think that our problems are somebody else's fault. And so therefore, somebody is going to come and try to fix us. And yet God has given all of us in ourselves the ability to take on our crises, take on our, our, our disadvantages, take on our suffering, and actually be the capable of yielding much from that. And so I spend most of my time uh, just trying to be an encouragement to others that are even stuck in those same places uh, to know that it's not finished until you move in eternity. And if we really believe in eternity, then it's even still more beautiful. So, you know, if we live our lives like that, I think that um, you can get that peace, you can get that joy, and, and, and you can get that forgiveness. You know, I think about what we often forget. You know, we like to celebrate Christmas and goodness and hear call on the name of God and Jesus when it's Easter, mm -hmm. a Christmas, mm -hmm. or there's a Parkland shooting, or there's a massacre, and mm -hmm. people die. And that's a false narrative, because when you think about how Christ suffered mm -hmm. and died for us, mm -hmm. you think about what happened to him, what makes us think, and he was perfect, yeah. what makes yeah. us think that us as sinners can't even put a flame to his life? It's going to be any better. And so the thing that I really admire about you is that you're fierce. Mm. You're a general. Mm. You're a warrior. Mm. You have been on the battlefield, and there are very few weapons on the battlefield you've not seen. And so sometimes the reason why people cannot get to the pinnacle of success, of success and find the peace that is necessary in the midst of any storm, that first, they worry too much about what other thing, others right. think. Secondly, they really don't have a value system that's strong enough that they're ready to ratchet down. Right. Somebody can come along 
and just replace it with their own value system. Right, and that's, their own why ideas. I that's exactly what had happened to me young. And now you're right. You're right. You know what? One of the things that I don't do is look yesterday. That's why I, you know, the Bible says, forget the things that are behind. Yeah, I made mistakes. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next thing because I can't do anything about yesterday, but I can do something about but you're tomorrow. Also a new person. But, well, exactly. Every single day. Well, that's yeah. true. But you know, you reminded me when you talked about the suffering of Christ, one of the things that I have taken on as a regular habit being now on the front line of activism, because we're in a cultural war and we have real enemies. And the, and the scripture says, you know, the just are an abomination to the unjust and it's vice versa. So you have to constantly encourage yourself to be in this battle. So I've taken on a habit of going to Italy uh, once a year for my faith and for my fashion. And I go there for the faith part to find what happened to the disciples follow their lives. You mentioned Jesus was pure. Um, if you, just over this last Easter season, uh, John uh, Legend, re they did the Jesus Christ Superstar. So he did the Song of Gethsemane. Incredible the way that he put the expression of what that agony was in that garden of Gethsemane because he was man at that point. He was also God, but he was man getting ready to, to die. But when you also think about what happened to others that came before us, not just in our own ancestry. Uh, I found that one trip that St. Mark never met the Lord, but he was also darker than me. He was an African. The only reason he's up in Italy is because they were going to destroy his remains, and some businessmen went into um, Africa where he went home after he and Paul had a fight and stole his remains and took them up to uh, Venezia, which we call Venice. So, you know, you find out all different types of stuff. But the one I wanted to mention was the one that God then called pure. Remember when he was saw Nathaniel, he said, that guy has no guile. And they called him through the scripture, Nathaniel and or Bartholomew. You know how he died? They stripped his skin off of him. So every symbol over there, because, you know, Christianity was for poor people at that time, so they didn't know how to read. So all the Catholic expression is in picture, and they were very expressive. And they, so all, every time you see Bartholomew, or who we call Nathaniel, or who God said had no guile when he saw him, it, carrying his skin. I mean, it's like skeleton with the skin. So this side of life that we have to deal with these little things in the freest country, in the, <laughs> come on, we get up every day and say, okay. I mean, one time I was like getting ready to really complain about, oh my gosh, the enemy of my faith is after me, you know, because the, they can be pretty uh, vile on, from the other side. I was sitting in a Ritz-Carlton. And I mean, the Holy Spirit just said, you're in a Ritz and you're complaining? I'm like oh, I guess I do have some advantages in this war. So um, you just got to remind yourself every day. <laughs> another thing that we have to remind ourselves of is that's what people have to understand. Because these are the things that really sustain you in life that Star is talking about that really helps you overcome. Because yes, you can have all the success in the world, but if you're not rooted and have a deeper meaning to your life, that's you'll it. become the loneliest person. Right. Uh, and, and loneliness, you can see in a lot of our young people, where that desperation leads to these terror, the terrorism that we see at schools. But the thing that you have to understand about Star, even though it was 25 years or however many years ago it was for her, here's the thing. Star and I still struggle today. We fight against the flesh. We fight demons. We fight to do good. It is a fight every day. Just don't think because we're here past 40 that we got it together. We still have to struggle. But yet, we put on our armor. That's right. That's right. On a personal, we and that's absolutely true. But what is what I think is 
contributing to some of the challenges for others to be able to grasp the things of the Lord is because they've scrubbed our schools from all reference to God. By the time I came of age, my schools didn't mention it, so we don't know it. And we have now two generations that have never even heard of his goodness. So they're struggling by themselves, and that's why it's getting more and more depressed. The only voices that they're hearing are voices of pop culture, voices of secularism, voices of, of, of materialism. And that's and so, intentional. Excuse it's me? intentional. It is intentional. But so, so picture yourself now. You're two generations in. You're sitting in one of our housing projects. You've got three kids by three different dads. You can really start feeling depressed and alone. And so this is why, number one, we need to let them free so that they can be out and, and, and about um, and not concentrate poverty. And we do that through law and then force their kids into these secular cesspools we call schools so that they can get a new vision. But we also have to help them understand that God loves them, that they're not alone. And the only way we do that is if the church itself revitalizes itself and gets out into the community and start knocking on doors again and talking to people about the love of God and that they're not alone and that the set of circumstances that they were born into does not determine their future. Their fate is not their destiny. And that's the message that has to go forth for those that we say we care about that have no hope at all. And when you're born in some of these hard zip codes, I could see how you could have no hope at all. But there's always a shining example. And those places that you speak of, somebody always, always comes, comes out. What I did last year, this past um, Martin Luther King Day, but last year, Martin Luther King Day, uh, one of the housing projects in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, had a little church there in Stop Six. <laughs> they call it Stop Six. The people there are so depressed. So someone asked me, so what do you suggest we do? I said, well, first of all, change the name of the town because if, 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 if the word Stop Six makes everybody put their head down that lives there, why don't you name it Victory or something like that? But anyway, that's a different story. But that one little church, exactly what you said, that one little church sitting there, opened their doors on King Day, a Monday. It was a Monday, a day off, uh, Early in the morning, they told the folks, you're going to come out here, Star Parker, uh, in, you know, it's in the house project. Uh, we're going to give you donuts and coffee. That's it. The place was packed. Those mm. welfare moms brought all their kids with them. They just needed somebody to put a little bit of spark that it's okay. Somebody who cares. Somebody who cares. So, so you're right. It, only, it takes one. You know, Mother Teresa said, you touch one, you've touched all. You change one, you've changed the world. So we want to continue to do that. But if it weren't for that little pastor in that one little community who said, I've had the facility, um, that we wouldn't have been able to do that meeting to where those girls would not have been able to come out and then we help them set some goals for their lives so that they could just go one more day. You know, um, Star Parker, how does someone find out more about Urban Cure? Well, then Google around and get Urban Cure. UrbanCure.org is our website, you know, and there's um, information there. We have membership there. We're donor supported. We're not government at all, and we never want to be because we believe that charity belongs to the church. When you think about the $900 billion a year that we're um, redistributing through these welfare programs, and most people can't even name one that's working, we need to build new models so that uh, this is not the reality for the people we've trapped in these um, distressed communities. Uh, so, so we're 100% funded by individuals who just really want to get truth out, who really want to um, make a difference in the lives of that weakest link. Where our story is, is uh, the story of the lost sheep. Our story is that when God left to find that one little sheep, the 99 were sitting there. What do you think they were thinking about? I mean, sheep might not think a lot, <laughs> but 
what I think they were saying to each other is, wow, if he cared about that one little one, if I get lost, he'll come get me. Right. So like building confidence in yeah, them. Like and so, yeah, so that's us. We want to strengthen from the bottom. I do agree that rising tides lift all boats, but I also believe that if you undergird that little one and you go find that little lost sheep, everybody else will be secure and we'll also have a healthy country. How can someone read your column? Well, my column is syndicated by Creator, so it's everywhere. Um, but, you know, they say that it's reaching like 7 million people. So if they don't get it in their local paper, their local internet place, or wherever they're getting news, they can request it, or they can sign up on Urban Cure. If they put their uh, email in, if you put your email in, urbancure.org, then we're going to send it to you once a week. It is a syndicated column, though, so um, uh, you, they, you can't just run it in it doesn't run everywhere because Creators has its spaces, Scripps has its spaces, which is now, you know, Night Ritter. And so it doesn't run in everybody's space. And I think Creators probably ends up with about 500 or 600 places. And so a columnist like me has to build to those places. But one of the miracles, even though I was saddened that Tom Soul left writing every week, he was with creators, so that means that most of his spaces now, they're starting to pick me up. Well, so I've got, yeah, I've got the Atlanta Journal Constitution. They got a lot of people out there that don't like me that read it that way, but it's I don't care. It's not that they don't like you, they're <laughs> continuing to understand you. No, no, you're yeah. being very well, no, kind to them. True. Oh, no, that's not the kind of stuff they write. <laughs> you know, people need someone to blame. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> they need someone to target. The yeah, fact target. That they, the fact that they can reach out to you in that way tells that you have their attention. Well, you're forcing them to rethink. You're the forcing them to rethink <laughs> their value system. Yeah, well, they should write that. I'm really rethinking. Instead of you need to get her off of these pages because where does she come from? She's a. <laughs> but so what do we do? Right. Censor? No, no, really it's important that we have every perspective. Your I perspective so. is important. How can someone contribute to Urban Cure? They send us money. They just how do they send? It's a nonprofit. Um, how do they send them stock? How do they send them money stock? Oh, they could send it online. You, and we do take credit cards. We take stock. I mean, we're full service. Okay, uh, we got a couple service. million dollar budget, so uh, we, we, we're we're thankful for every dollar we get. Um, so they go online and urbancure.org, and they can give that way, or they can just mail it. We're here in Washington D.C., thirteen seventeen F Street. If they go online, what's the website so address? Urbancure. U-R-B-A-N-C-U-R-E dot O-R-G. It has been Urban such Cure. a pleasure. I, I forgot about what I planned to talk about. Yeah. I think yeah. We talked about what's really important in life. Uh, we can never talk enough about the importance of faith, the importance of moral striving, We're trying to be good. Yeah. Be in, 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 yeah. Let me be me. Yes. Just let us be us. And then we're going to make mistakes, but just, it's okay. I got to be me. I got to be me. <laughs> That's it from Strongcast, Star Parker, Armstrong Williams. Hey, I told you. That's why her name is Star. Because she's a superstar. Much respect for Star. Check out at urbanq.org. So long from Strongcast.